Welcome back to This is a Terrible Place to Live. Uh, we're actually doing something a little bit different this week. We've decided to start doing specific topics on our episodes. And this week we are discussing uh, IDK Howe's album. Razzmatazz. So I'm going to let David take over because he actually has a lot of research. Uh, and he's he's uh, going to wow us with his smarts and his his intelligence Listen up, guys. <laughs> this is the start of professionalism on this podcast. We're going to be straight to the point. We aren't going to mess around anymore. We're just gonna we're gonna come in and we're gonna get it done. I don't know what that means, but we're gonna do it. Whoa! You may notice that I sound so much better this episode. It's almost like I figured out how to work my microphone, but that's not what happened. Um, <laughs> almost like that almost wow david doesn't sound like crap anymore he's crisp and clear all right so going forward yeah we're gonna have a topic each week and this week i figured it'd be fun to start off with something that we both love you love it right i I do love it yes i love it a lot heroin uh no um, <laughs> <laughs> we're both just gonna shoot up some heroin that'll be a good time we'll tell you about it that'd be a good podcast actually I'd like i don't think that might not be bad that'd be interesting that's for sure i'd certainly like wonder like what's it like you know i could tell you <laughs> so professional just like blow by blow we're going to come in, we're going to get it done, we're going to shoot up some heroin. <laughs> like professionals. <laughs> yes. That is how all the other podcasts work. Yeah, that's really the heroin industry thrives on podcasts. <laughs> um, <laughs> the lifeblood of the heroin industry is podcasting. <sighs> no, you had it the other. It's the other way around. The lifeblood life of podcasting is heroin. heroin. <laughs> uh, well, okay. <laughs> All right. So much for professionalism, I guess. We already got sidetracked talking about heroin. That was entirely my fault. It had nothing to do with anything. Okay. Now that we have been sidetracked, we are getting back into actually talking about the now album. That, now that we've shot our heroin, <laughs> we're back. We had to do all the heroin stuff where you like, don't you heat it up first? You get the. We just did it. You've already forgotten. I mean, I think one of the symptoms of doing too much heroin is memory loss. I don't know. Gee, I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) I didn't do, I didn't do enough research on it before we did it to, you know, know that. Um, all right. So as professionals, I've done. As a professional. I'm not speaking for John. I am not a professional. I will I will allow that. I'm not a professional. I've done my research. <laughs> Those children are so fucking don't, loud. Don't mind that. That's just the Nazgul in the background. They're just... Get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> Listeners, John is murdering a child. It's in his closet. <laughs> no. Alright. <laughs> Don't keep going, so just All right. just talk. It'll anyway. have to do. Okay, what was I saying? Oh yeah. <laughs> we did research this time. And by research, I mean I pulled up a Wikipedia page on I don't know how, but they found me. And it says here. I don't know how, but they found me, stylized in all caps, often shortened to I don't know how, stylized as I don't know how, all caps. <laughs> but that's wrong. Well, no, no, not all caps. The I is lowercase. The I is lowercase. They yeah. have that right here. Okay. Never mind. Um, is an American musical duo based in Salt Lake City, Utah. That's right. They're in Utah? Yeah. I didn't They're, know that. Um, I think Dallin was Mormon. That makes sense. Actually, I think he still is. I think he's like a cool Mormon. 
A cool Mormon? <laughs> yeah, that's like a thing. Like Brandon Flowers is a cool Mormon. Sure, like Sean Duras is a cool Mormon. I don't know who that is. He's a internet person? I don't know. Okay. He's one of the cool Mormons. That's the, that's the official name of their part of the religion. <laughs> like, we're Mormons, but like, we play music and stuff. I saw some Mormons on the way over here. Really? Yeah, on their bicycles. Wait, is that Mormons or is that Jehovah's Witnesses? I don't know. If it's like the white shirt and some ties on bicycles, that's Mormons. Oh yeah, it was Mormons. Um, are Mormons allowed to listen? I don't know anything about Mormons. I really don't know about Mormons, really. I was no. playing Brandon Flowers too, and they looked at me. They must have been like, that's one of our guys. <laughs> cool Mormon. Cool Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, based in Salt Lake City, formed in 2016, the band consists of lead vocalist and bassist Dallin Weeks and drummer Ryan Seaman. Before signing with Fearless Records, the duo was described as, quote, the hottest unsigned band in the world, end quote. By um, who? It was described this way on the cover of Rock Sound magazine in March 2018. Which, that's pretty cool. Sure, I don't know what magazine that is, but... Um, and I wonder if they meant it like, they're the hottest isn't like, well, everyone loves their songs, or it's just like, they thought Dallin Weeks was cute. They're like, this dude's pretty hot. <laughs> I don't know, he's pretty hot. <laughs> I would agree, though, for both. Yeah, both are both are accurate. I'd both say. both are pretty true. All right. Prior to the formation of the band, Dallin Weeks and Ryan Seaman were longtime friends who had worked together in the past. Seaman had joined. I, I'm sorry. Are we just not going to make that joke? <laughs> no, no, John. We're professionals. How dare you? I'm sorry. I couldn't let it we're pass so this. many times. Cut it out. We're going to leave that out of the episode. Cut that out and then leave this part. Me talking about it. You say that every time. Do I? Yes. Oh, well. Good bit. I like it. <laughs> Are there previous episodes? I thought we were going to do like a reboot. This is the first one. Do we want to do a full, a full reboot? Should we leave this discussion in? This is the first episode. No one's ever heard this before. <laughs> they don't even know how we got the name. Moving on. Welcome to our first episode. <laughs> I don't want to delete our backlog. No, because then people will find it and they'll be like, wow, these guys are so professional. They got their act together from the first episode. They know. Anyway, what I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, Ryan joined Week's former band, The Brobecks, <laughs> in 2008 and performed drums for Week's solo project, including Sickly Sweet Holidays and Please Don't Jump, parentheses, It's Christmas. Um, I've listened to those songs, have to say, I'm not a huge fan of those, but I'm just like not into Christmas music, typically, unless it's got like the nostalgia factor. You know what I mean? I, I guess my favorite Christmas music is rock christmas so i might like it i will say there are two exceptions to the statement that i just made the first one don't shoot me santa claus by the killers is so good that song i love it um and all of phoebe bridger's christmas singles are great too because they're like sad and angsty christmas music which yes i agree that's good yeah um which I guess this is too. Please don't jump. It's Christmas is angsty Christmas music. No doubt. Um, I don't know. Their Christmas EP, I think was better than Dallin Weeks, like solo Christmas songs. I, I would suspect so. Usually certain types of people thrive better in different environments. And he seems to thrive better in a band. Environment. Yeah. He also had like a cover of Skid Row from, Little Shop of Horrors that he'd done at one point. I think it might have been with Panic at the Disco. Yeah, I think I've heard it. <clears throat> it's pretty good. That's a good song. Good musical. Anyway. Um, initially a solo effort, Weeks had been writing and recording songs while on the road with Panic at the Disco for several years. Ryan <laughs> performed drums on the record, which led Weeks <laughs> to propose the idea to present it as a duo. 
For anyone confused as to why he's laughing, every time he says no, Ryan, it says we're semen. Ex- we're not going to explain it. We're going to cut this out, John. We're professionals. <laughs> I can't tell how much of this is a joke and how much of this is you mad at me. <laughs> um, the band name is from Back to the Future. Um, I'm just going to skim through it because there's a lot here. And I'm sorry, it's from Back thing. to the Future? Yeah. Um, when oh 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 Doc Brown when the when the terrorists come to get their uranium yeah yeah okay gotcha I was trying to figure out where that line was because I was thinking like Marty would set it but no that's no, no, not. no okay gotcha yeah it's they found me I don't know how but they found me um there was something that was in here that I thought was pretty funny where uh he was talk where Dallin was talking about how the punctuation is specifically wrong in their um their name where there's no comma and there's no uh, apostrophe. And he said that <laughs> he'd been in panic at the disco for so long where the punctuation was a big part of the name. So he felt like just leaving it out entirely. <laughs> that's fair. But I mean, that's the good thing about panic though. If you're talking about panic, you can just say panic with an exclamation mark and everyone knows what you're talking about. Or it could be like, an instruction. Panic. <laughs> I don't know. What's difficult is writing about like fun because you've got to put a period and then a like you've got to make the next part lower. Case. Yeah, that's the same with with alone. I don't know them. It's just Michael Frenzy now. I don't know who that is. Anyway, um, Weeks and Ryan <laughs> began. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Dallin and Ryan <laughs> began secretly performing in small venues from late 2016 to mid 2017. They debuted at Emo Night, Los Angeles's second anniversary event, on November 6, 2016. Emo Night? Yeah. That's a thing? Yeah. Weird. It's, yeah, it's like a lots of big um like alternative bands perform there. No. I didn't know. That's like a small venue thing in Los Angeles. I don't know why I know this. I've never, I've never, it's not like I've been. I mean, I don't do a lot of research about bands that I listen to, to be honest. So this is a lot of information I did not have. I do too much research. Like, I, just, I watch so many interviews and like, uh, if there's a line that I don't understand in the song, like what it means, and I'm like, I'll go to Genius and I'll be like, that's probably not right, but I'll, I'll take that. Um, like I started listening to Fen Fen Lily recently, and she has a song called I Nietzsche. And I was like, what is she talking about? And there's like a whole thing in an interview where she's talking about how she dated a, her a guy who was like super into Nietzsche, and she like felt jealous of Nietzsche because she was he was reading all of his books all the time. Um That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> uh when I like it was to the point where like you just kept talking about like him and Nietzsche. And she's like, this is strange. Um, it's a good song anyway. Yeah. I, I like, I. The I weirdest know. circumstances create the best songs. Yeah. I get really like, I don't know, obsessive about the music that I listen to, I think. That's um, fair though. I do that with other things, just not music. I saw, I saw a video of uh, Glass Animals performing one of their songs. And I was like, oh. Oh, you look nothing like what I thought you looked like. Oh, I, see, like if I like a band, I'm always gonna like follow them on like Instagram or whatever, so I always know, you know. Yeah. Where? I don't. I don't follow any musicians anymore. I used to when I was like in high school and junior high, was really big into like following musicians. Yeah. But I usually don't know what they look like. That's weird. Do you like create images in your head of like what you think they look like? Usually, yeah. Although a lot of like single person artists do the album cover is a picture of them. So then you see them. Yeah. Um, I do that with like podcast hosts. Like I'll listen to a lot of podcasts where I have no idea what the people look like. Um, Like Robert Evans, the first time I saw what he looked like, I was like, that's not what I thought. Yeah, I was pretty shocked when I saw a picture (laughs) of him for the first time. And uh, the same with David on Blank Check, because 
uh, Griffin was in the tick, so I already knew. I already knew what he looked like. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's interesting though. I, I guess I just don't think about that because that's not how I consume music. I like consume everything, like even connected to it. Um. So yeah, their debut single was "Modern Day Kane," which I still think is one of their best songs and very underrated. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's still definitely like up there in the list of, of their discography. Yeah. Then they eventually went on to release Choke, which was their first like big one, I'd say. That's how I found them. Which is my favorite song still. Really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I think... Okay, we'll get into it. We'll get into okay. it. Okay. <laughs> um, so then eventually they released their debut EP, um, 1981 extended play, which despite how much I love the CP, I always forget what year it is in the thing because there are way too many things that are like 1900s. There's like the 1975, there's 1984, there's 1985, there's 1981. There's all these too many. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, it's don't name anything you're making after a year unless you want people to never be able to find it. Yeah. Like even today I was Googling it, like doing some other research and I was like, I listened to this so much, but I, I have this sticker on my laptop and I, I can't remember the number. <laughs> I didn't even know the name of the album, to be honest. Anyway. Also, something I've always wondered, why is an EP an extended play? It's shorter than an album. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> Who knows? And an LP is a long player. It, they both sound like the, their albums. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't actually under I don't know what makes it different, to be honest. Anyway. Um on that they had Bleed Magic, Absinthe, uh Social Climb, Choke, um, what else? Do it all the time. Do it all the time. They had the introduction. I was gonna say the introduction <laughs> is, is technically a track. Um anyway. I consider that to be a perfect EP, like not a single dud at all. Not even, it's just tight, just so good. Would you agree? Yeah, it's, it's very good all the way through. Um, and something that we should bring up is their whole like eighties aesthetic that they've got going on where they've got a whole like lore behind it, which is something that I can really get behind because just like, as someone who's into like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all of that, where it's things that have deep lore, it's really cool to have that in a band where you're trying to like understand everything, like all of the details around it, like Telex and all of that. It definitely makes it very, I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not intriguing, but like it pulls you in really well to the, to the rest of the stuff they do, not just the music, but like their music videos and like any sort of promotional material because it's telling a story. Uh, 21 Pilots does similar stuff with their albums where they'll have like stories around the specific albums, but this is more generalized where it's around the band. Yeah. And that makes it. Because like 21 Pilots still have like separate arcs, like Blurry mm -hmm. Face and Trench. I don't know if they did as much for Vessel, did they? I don't think they had one for Vessel really because that was kind of coming back from having the band kind of dwindle off so mm -hmm. yeah and that would those i'd say are more concept albums than these are this it's more a concept band yeah you know what i mean um and something that i think we've probably talked about is that the whole like aesthetic and idea for it is that the band they made songs in the 80s but they weren't popular at that point they never made it and now all of these songs are being found and released. And in an interview, Dallin Weeks had talked about how it's all based off of the show Stairway to Stardom, the aesthetic of that show, and just how weird and like off kilter it is. Yeah. Which go watch those videos. They're so <laughs> good. <laughs> they are they're pretty fantastic. <laughs> um <laughs> Just that detail 
got me hooked on Stairway to Stardom videos. Like I've watched full episodes that they'll release on YouTube and that would make such a great premise for a movie, like being on the set of that weird show. Anyway, um, so yeah, they released their EP. They were getting some success. They were doing uh, festivals, all of that. And <laughs> Dylan Weeks was quoted as saying that the album was supposed to be released in 2019, but they had unscheduled success. So they were... <laughs> So they didn't have enough time to release it that year because they were too busy, like playing radio shows and festivals and promoting the EP to to release it last year. Yeah. Huh. I hadn't really thought about that, but that does make sense that like if it blows up more than you're expecting, then all of a sudden you're doing a lot more like uh, marketing and like uh, publicity than, than you would have planned. Um, as far as their style and influence, uh, they've mainly been described as indie pop, and Weeks has described himself as um, hipster nonsense, <laughs> which I think is pretty good. I think that fits better, honestly. Yeah. Indie pop is a very wide genre. He's also called it glam wham. Um, he's just really funny. <laughs> I like him a lot. He's a great friend. He's, he's very self-aware, which is great, because... You don't expect someone like making this type of music to be self-aware, but like the entire premise of the band is like a self-aware idea. Like the concept is self-aware. Yeah. And even on 1981 extended play, so many of the songs are satire of that style of music, like absinthe um, and do it all the time where it's just this played up like macho version of what a rock star should be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah which I think is very smart. I always like it when a band is able to pull that off. Um, like The Man by The Killers. Great song. Anyway. <laughs> oh, when I was doing this, I went to uh, an album review for Razzmatazz and they said, if you like, uh, you'd be into this album basically if you're a fan of the 1975 or the killers. And I thought, man, they've really got me like pigeonholed. <laughs> they know who I am. <laughs> um, anyway, so this album was delayed. It was supposed to come out like pretty early this year, I believe. And then it was supposed to come out like two weeks earlier, but it kept getting like pushback because of mixing and mastering with COVID and all of that. Um, but it finally came out. What's the release date? Anyway, it's out now. That's the important part. We've listened to it. It's it's out. It's good. It's so very good. Anyway, I've been uh, kind of hogging things for a while. We're finished the Wikipedia part of it. Anything you'd like to add? Any details? Anecdotes? Uh, d good music. Yeah. Well said. Thank you. Your contribution. <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> i don't i don't really know much about like their history or like their their background and stuff i just the i know of a large number of the the band just because like the i know the members from other bands they've done yeah so that's basically it for me it's just um, something that I think is interesting about them is that like, they didn't want to like ride off of that though. Like why they'd been doing their shows secretly is because they didn't want to just like, oh, we have all these fans from Panic at the Disco from Falling in Reverse. We'll just take them, start our own thing. Um, in their, in their Spotify description, they said that they formed and for a year they denied their own existence. And then after like the end of the description, it says they still don't exist. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is kind of the premise of, of like the storyline though, is that like they existed, but nobody knew. Yeah. So did they really happen? I guess. I don't know. Something that's interesting on the new album, as far as this whole storyline with Telex, I guess we should explain that to the listeners. Telex is like this big corporation that's involved in the story of this band, like a record label type thing that's in 
the the lore of the band. Um, but something that happened with this new album that I hadn't known about until today was on the physical copies of this album. They have two spoken word parts. I thought they were songs, but they're actually spoken word things. Okay, interesting. Um, the first one is called Indoctrination. And the words to it are Indoctrination Program Designation CVM51D. Congratulations, you've been selected. You are special. Only the very best and brightest are considered for placement in our temporal arts program. We invite you to follow along as we work together to decode and exploit the secrets of time and space for our benefit. Each volunteer pairing will be assigned a chaperone. Our white shadows will oversee your progress. Be sure that our company's interests maintain the highest priority throughout your journey. Please enjoy your experience and remember, this is on our side. Time is on our side, sorry. That's interesting. That that actually clears up some of the interesting things about their music videos. Which it implies that this band didn't exist. Oh wait, in the next one, they get into it more that this band didn't no, exist. No, it definitely implies that they didn't exist. And that this corporation is going back in time to create a band. That, that's a, I like that storyline. And this is an interesting way to tell a story like that. Cause you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm always thinking of things in terms of like film and TV because that's my medium, but this is a really interesting way to tell a story through like both an album and like music and the, like the storyline behind a band. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, I had never, I would never have thought of something like that, but that's an interesting, it's, it's a good concept. I like it. Yeah. So then in Tomorrow People, which is at the end of Razzmatazz, they say, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, we thank you for listening to our presentation of Razzmatazz by I don't know how, but they found me. Your friends at the Telex Corporation work tirelessly around the clock, providing us all with advancements in the temporal arts national defense, aviation, oceanics, dimensional modulation, thought reform, automotive and manufacturing, hurtling us into a brighter past and a better present, a more productive future. And before too many tomorrows go by, we hope to see you again, whenever or wherever you may be. To search, to discover, to develop, to broaden our knowledge of the world we live in and the universe we occupy. To make reality of imagination, this is Telex, the Tomorrow People. That's so cool. That is really cool. <laughs> and, and you have to think of it that it's probably, I'm assuming it's probably the same voice as the intro for yeah. 1981 Extended. Yeah, it's, it's not my voice. No, but- <laughs> That would be jarring. It's a really, I mean, I, I like the like the voice of the intro for that one. So it, mm-hmm. I can imagine that being very cool sounding, not just like- and it's such a cool Easter egg to put on the physical copies of the album to like hide the story even more. So yeah. you've got to like find it. Anyway, such a cool band. That, um, that is really interesting. Like the white shadows that they mentioned, you can, they have people um, dressed in like. Skeleton all, costumes. Yeah. Skeleton basically. costumes in all of like the music videos and stuff. I'm really hoping for a tie in with Phoebe Bridgers because the skeleton costumes kind of her thing, you know? Maybe she works for Telex. Maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to, I think we should go through the tracks, talk about highlights within it, um, favorite parts. I'll pull up some genius annotations that we can laugh at how horrendously wrong they are. Um, yeah, so we'll start off first one, Leave Me Alone, one of the singles. And as I was reading the genius annotations, People here seem convinced that it's about how he's talking about leaving Panic at the Disco and like, uh, what's his name? Who had been uh, canceled for like um, stuff with underage fans. It should be in one of these annotations. I don't remember his name. Because I, when I think of Panic, I really only think of Brendan Urie. Oh yeah, it's talking about assault accusations against Zach Hall of Panic at the Disco, um, who it says here was a bodyguard, which I thought he was a guitarist. That's what I'd heard about. I I don't remember his name at all, so... Yeah. Anyway, 
I think it's about corruption and the music industry and selling out. Well, I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't fit with what we just talked about, how they're like a band based on this fictional storyline yeah. for it to be about a real event. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that's what they're going for. And I, I really find that hard to believe. And so much of the narrative, like how throughout the music videos and everything has to do with like corporately produced music and the idea of like soulless music, you know, where it's made just by like a corporation. Um, with the like do it all the time video. Um, so it makes a lot of sense that it's about um, people who are trying to um, to buy the band, basically. It's a great song. I like all of like the dark undertones that they have throughout their music. It's so good. Um, like the line in here where it says, go fly a kite until you're tangled in the hanging tree. <laughs> I think I think Leave Me Alone is one of my favorite songs from the album for sure. We'll get into my favorites which are in the second half for the most part. Okay. I I I as I've listened I've kind of like changed which ones are my favorite back and forth a little, but a few have stuck and that one's definitely been one of the ones that when it comes on I'm like, "Yes." I will song. say this album like does grow on you definitely. The more you listen to it, the better it gets. Like I wasn't super big on uh, sugar pills when when I first listened to it. Like I was like, oh, this is kind of cheesy. But then like the more I listened to it, I was like, this is actually this is a bop. This is a banger. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, after that in the track list comes Indoctrination, the one that I'd read to you. Um, then there's Mad IQs, which is still, I'll say, probably my least favorite. Yeah, I album. think it's I think it's probably the weakest, but just because it, it just feels kind of generic. It's There's not, nothing wrong with it. It's just not fantastic. You know, it fits their sound really well, but it's not distinct enough to like stick out as like a favorite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I didn't mention it, but the album is produced by um, Tim Pagnotta from the band Sugar Cult. Um, and he's produced a lot of like really popular songs like Shut Up and Dance by Walk the Moon, Talk Too Much by Coin. He produced St. Motel's entire St. Motelevision album. He produced a song for Poppy, American Kids. He's really good. I like his work. Um, I just think it's worth mentioning if we're getting into all of the details of it all. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. That's something that I always think is interesting, like seeing what producers produce which things and the similarities between them. And I don't know. I like following a producer as opposed to a band as well. A, a producers deserve way more credit than they get. They, they are responsible for a lot of the, the actual like sound of the music. Mm -hmm. Like the band is still responsible for like the style and whatnot, but the producer is way more responsible for the sound and the, the feel of the album. Which is why I think Jack Antonoff is one of the best musicians of the century. Anyway, <laughs> that's just an aside. He still should have won that Grammy. Anyway, <laughs> wait, if we deleted the other episodes, uh, I mean, Jack Antonoff should have won the Grammy last year. That's all I'm saying. Um, so on this one, uh, Mad IQs, I don't know. I haven't thought about the lyrics that much for it. I just don't revisit it that much. Um, and I'll say it's the only one that I don't really revisit. Yeah. All right. That's cool. <laughs> so bad at this. I can't even remember what Mad IQ sounds like off the top of my head. Because um, I have Leave Me Alone stuck in my head. Oh, yeah. The chorus is really good. Come inside, twist the knife like it's something to do. I'm a voluntary victim. Yeah, uh, I gotcha. That, yeah. Yes, I remember now. I remember. It's That's just a one good of those. Line. I'm a voluntary victim. Yeah, it it's got some good good stuff. It just really is one of those ones where it's like, it's forgettable. Yeah. Um, and it's not because it's bad. It's because everything else is so much more, like, special. Yeah. 
Next up is Nobody Likes the Opening Band, which had been out for some time before the album. Um, like the day that it was released, you could download it for free on their website. Um, yeah, it's been out for a while. Yeah, like, like the music video. Quite a while. But it's it's honestly a very different feeling from the rest of the album. It is. I will say it. it's a great song, but I don't think it fits the the flow of it. It kind of messes it up a little bit. If anything, I would have thought that this would have been the opening song with the opening band, you know, um, like like a little prelude um, before Leave Me Alone. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a very short song as well. And because it doesn't fit the style of it, it wouldn't have messed with the flow as much if it had been just tacked on at the beginning. Um, but I'm glad that it's on Spotify now because it hadn't been for so long. Um, I don't think it necessarily breaks the flow of the album. I think it gives you a break that is kind of needed because the the album is mostly all the same style. So it coming between Mad IQs and um, what is that? What is the next song? It's um, uh, new invention. Yeah. New invention, which are very similar songs. Yeah. It kind of, it breaks the monotony that would have been there if they had been back to back. So I understand why it's there. It does feel a little bit out of place to have a song about the opening band, not be the opening song. But I, I don't hate it there. It fits. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one, as we just said, is New Invention, which was the last of their singles. It seemed kind of like an afterthought because it had been delayed, like they added another single. Um, I don't know. I'd say it's my least favorite of the, the singles, but it's very good. It's a good song. I. It's not one that I would go to and play, but when it comes up, I let it play. 100%. No, it wasn't the last of the singles. Lights Go Down was the last one. Oh, was that a single? I didn't realize it was on one of the singles. They released it like a week before the album. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, does this one have a saxophone solo in it? I think it does. New Invention. Yes. Yeah. The saxophone solos throughout this album are so good. Every artist needs to have a saxophone solo on every album regardless of whether or not it fits the tone, saxophones are the best. That's one of the things that made Panic one of my favorite bands for so long. When do they have a saxophone album, uh, solo? They have saxophones in almost all of their albums. No, like a solo, though. Uh, there's a solo in um, on their most recent album in King of the Clouds, I think. I see. That's the one that I listened to the least, that album. I don't know. The The... The song specifically that I'm thinking of ends with the uh, the recording technician saying, when you lifted that sax up to your mouth, I fell in love. I don't remember that. Yeah. What? Yeah. That sounds like something I'd remember, but oh well. We're not talking about them, John. I'm sorry. We're talking about a completely unrelated band. You got way off topic. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um. yeah so this song it's very much about being in a relationship and just being a product of what that person wants where you're changing yourself so much to be this person's thing right which also fits with all the themes of changing yourself to fit what a record label wants throughout the whole album um i think that's kind of cool good song anyway I don't, oh man, I don't think through talking about every single song. Um, <laughs> we can skip to like what your favorite is because people should definitely listen to the whole album. I think it's great, but we don't need to necessarily mention every song. Okay, we'll skip a few, but I mean, we have to talk about From the Gallows. That's From what I was going to say. From the Gallows is my favorite song on the album. It's the next one. It's very, very good. Um, I love like the, the style of it because it doesn't, it's not the same as the rest of their stuff, but it fits really, really well, like surprisingly well. Yeah, it, it definitely blends well, but it is unique in itself. It's very like 30s almost. And the like the the beat of it, you know? The way that it goes yeah. up and down. Yeah, it definitely it's not specifically it's not the modern feel that the rest of the 
music takes. Although I do say like with all of their, their eighties influences that they have, they're one of the artists that I think like um, Declan McKenna as well. And the, the 1975, they do a very good job of taking old influences and modernizing them very like effectively yeah. and not, and not being like, like Greta Van Fleet where their whole thing is that they just sound old. Yeah. They don't, they don't sound old. They just make music in the same style as like different eras. Like it's not like they, it's like the difference between making a, a film in the style of a, of an era of like a, a noir versus yeah. making like a film that's like purposefully like grainy, like the difference between like mid nineties and stranger things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something that I did here when I was, well not here, but I read when I was reading up earlier today was that someone compared, um, I don't know how, but they found me to stranger things and that it's, the musical equivalent, which I don't think is accurate, no, but it's talking about like our generation and the nostalgia for the eighties, which we never experienced and how. The okay. Way but that, how old is Dallin? Cause he's. Oh yeah. Dallin experienced it. He experienced it. <laughs> no, but I mean like the, for the most part, I'd say that their audience, their younger. audience is probably younger. Yeah. Um, but talking about how the Duffer Brothers, they're channeling like old Spielberg and like John Hughes um, and talking about how you can see their influences in Stranger Things and they're making it a new story with the types of characters that you'd have in modern movies. Um, and the way that I don't know how what they found me is similar is that they're making the kind of music that you would have made back then, but they're modernizing it in subject and broader presentation which i think is is a fair comparison but i wouldn't necessarily say that i see what they're saying but i I don't think i necessarily agree completely yeah i don't i i understand what they're getting at but i would i would disagree mainly on the premise that i feel like the the duffer brother brothers are more of on a nostalgia train than anything else Mm -hmm. i don't think that they really are making 80s style stories more as they're making like <laughs> it's going to sound weird to say it, but 80s porn you know where it's like yeah n- nostalgia for the 80s not nostalgia of the 80s i don't know if that's i don't know if that makes sense but that's what i'm yeah thinking. i get what you're saying anyway um yeah, from the gallows has a spoken word interlude in it um, that is in the voice that the other um, parts the, at the beginning and the end would probably also be in, and the introduction for the last EP, and uh, the part in Modern Day Kane. It's a voice that's very robotic and keeps coming back throughout their music. Yeah, it's a little bit different from the introduction, but yeah. It's the same type of thing that yeah. they're doing, though. Yeah. Um, and it says in that, uh, <laughs> darling, Lord knows you're beautiful, but you're evil. Fact is, you're downright vicious too. But each night, I look up at the stars in the sky, and I can't help, and I can't help it. I still wish I was with you. And it's so weird, and just like unsettling, but I love it. It's so good. That's a, that's such a great example of what they're doing throughout their music. They're taking the style of like the thirties in this song and then they're putting like their own spin on it where this is something that never could have happened in the thirties. Yeah, no, (laughs) it's a very, you know, I would, I would, you got me on the the comparisons to like Mm -hmm. what it is. I think it is much more closely resembling what Maniac did where they're taking something that is from a specific time, but doing it in a modern way where it's like, this is a song from the, the genre and era of like the thirties, but then it's got this weird modern interlude basically 
where it's very EDM sort of like it's not EDM, but it's got that like robotic voice changer like feeling, and it it's it's almost it's almost as if they're trying to take polar opposites and put them together as like a contrast, but it's mixed better than that. So it's not like directly contrasting. Yeah. It feels correct. It feels like it's supposed to be that way. Yeah. And they keep the music underneath it as it's going. And it feels very like it flows really well. It caught me off guard when I first heard it. I was like, this is so strange, but it makes sense. Like the more you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then the next one is Cluster Hog, which is so good. I think it's definitely my top three on the album. Um, it's not originally an I Don't Know How But They Found Me song. It was one of the songs that had been released uh, by the Brobacks, Dallin and Ryan's former band that they'd been in before either of them were in Falling in Reverse or Panic at the Disco. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah, the Brobacks have some great songs too. That have been re-released throughout Dallin's career, like uh, Far Too Young to Die by Panic at the Disco is originally a Brobeck song. I didn't realize that. It, I, I never listened to the to their stuff before, I didn't, but that's like one of my favorite Panic songs. So Yeah, it's um, all of the... Uh, they only have one album that's on Spotify, the Brobecks, and neither of the songs that I've just mentioned are on that album. But you can find them on like SoundCloud and on YouTube. Um, yeah, they're definitely worth checking out the original Brobex versions. Um, and they also have a song that I don't know how you used to perform live. Um, uh, Die Alone, which is a really good song. Yeah, lots of stuff to check out there. Um, their album on Spotify is great. Very, very good. It's far more like rock oriented and very like theatrical. Um, yeah, definitely something to listen to. You might've heard Love at First Sight. That's their most popular one on that. Uh, and there are some references to that song on this album in The Door and um, Kiss Goodnight. I don't, I don't think so. I haven't really listened to any of their I haven't listened to any of their like old career stuff. So Okay. Um that's something that's cool about this as well. That they're referencing back to to previous stuff. Um and it fits so well too. This song. Um there are lines in it about quarantine where it sounds like it would have been written very recently. Um, but it's it's actually just a happy coincidence because it's one of their old songs. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I actually I really liked the song and then later I was listening to it and I realized that it was talking about quarantine. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. They like wrote about the, they wrote about 2020. How, I'd, how original, but I guess not. Nope. More original. Yep. They did it back in the day. <laughs> they did it before. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this song is so, I don't know. I relate to it a lot, honestly. <laughs> it's definitely one of my one of my top three like you were saying yeah it's it's a really good song it it fits with the album uh-huh but it's also just a really good single it wasn't even a single i know it's not one of their singles but it, it really is it it's just a really good song on its own i'd say some of the deep cuts on this album are far better than the singles in my opinion i always feel that way about like albums from bands i like mm-hmm. But yes, that for sure with this album. But yeah, it's the that the song is about like well the chorus is it's very straightforward. Um I can fall in love with you, but only if you uh only if you'd like me to. Yeah, which that's such a good line. Yeah. <laughs> um I don't know, this is fun just going over and like talking about something that I like this much. I don't know. I really, really enjoy it. Um Next up on the track list is Sugar Pills, like I said earlier. Um, that one took a little while to grow on me, but the verses on that song are very, very good. <laughs> yeah. I I added 
basically all of these to the playlist that I listen to all the time. The only song from this album that I did not add to the playlist was The Door. And I I like it better now. So I might end up adding it. I don't know. I, I never skip it because it's so short. It's a, such a short song. And there are references in it to um, Kiss Goodnight and uh, like I was saying earlier, Love at First Sight. So I, I get some more out of it, like the full story of what's happening in that scenario. Um, yeah, well, I would never skip any any of the songs listening through the album. But like, yeah. if I'm just like listening to music on shuffle, mm-hmm. I'm not certain I would listen to it if it came up. Yeah. But it is super short, so I might not even notice that it was on. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really an interlude. I wouldn't say it's a full song. Yeah. It's only like a minute 36, yeah. 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 Um, next up, Kiss Goodnight. This is my favorite on the album, I think. It's it's very sappy, and they don't get into that area very much, but he, they do it so well. Yeah. The, he really sells the song and like the affection. It's so good. Um, and it's very like poppy more so than their other stuff. Um, I don't know. It's just a great, like slow song, really fun to listen to while driving around, um, at night, especially, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I like it. It's a good song. It's not one of the ones that like stood out to me when listening to it, but I did really like the uh, the ending with, is that his daughter? This is Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. That's on Need You Here, John. Oh, is that Need You Here? You fool. Look, I don't remember. <laughs> the, the thing about the, the second half of the album is that uh-huh. those songs all kind of blend together for me. So yeah, I like I, the second half more. Because up until like around Cluster Hug, mm-hmm. they're all very distinct in my head, and I can I can hear most of them. Except after that, Matt IQs is the except Matt IQs. Matt yeah. IQs, I yeah. I guess that's only five songs, but <laughs> but the the after that, it kind of blends together in like a it's a good way when listening to the album. But then later, it's kind of hard to separate which song is which. I think it does have a really good flow the way the album goes, where at the beginning, it's just like all out, like adrenaline pumping, like just pop songs, you know? Right. And then as it goes, it winds down a bit, you know, to uh, Kiss Goodnight and Need You Here to like slower, more emotional songs, kind of ballads. And then it has like the big finish just the great finale with Razmataz and the saxophones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think in general, I tend to prefer like poppier songs. That's just kind of my style of music. Mm-hmm. Even, even in the different genres that I like, I tend to prefer the poppier versions of whatever genre mm-hmm. I'm listening to. So when it gets into the quieter, like mellower stuff, I enjoy it, but then it's it's a little bit harder for me to remember which things are which. All right. Next we have Lights Go Down. I don't remember this song at all. Um, it's the one that has the really like good keyboard riff at the beginning. Um, and the chorus. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I will know as soon as I hit it if that's what you're talking about. Yes. Okay. I will say the chorus on this one gets a little repetitive, um, but it's a very catchy song. Like, I think this one would be a lot of fun live, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a... I, I mean, it's, it's an energetic song. Yeah. For sure. Which works really well like you were saying live where there's like a lot of people singing and and dancing and whatnot and there's like energy in the room when you're just listening to it by yourself it Uh just kind of feels repetitive yeah in kind of in in a little bit of an annoying way but not not really like it's never annoyed me but it's 
I could see it getting on my nerves if it was like the radio single of the album, which it's not. So, um, there are, I think there are songs like this for every band that I listen to where it's not one that I'm ever going to like seek out on its own, but I would love to see live like, uh, on the killer's most recent album, they had running towards a place, which I never listened to, but it's just like an anthem that you just, it'd be so much fun. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's Lights Go Down. Next up is Need You Here, which I will say probably number two or number three for me between this and Cluster Hog. It's, I don't know, it just hits me in the feels. It makes me emotional. Like I, I really like it. It did have to grow on me a little bit, but yeah, I like it. It's just a song to the daughter about how much he loves her. That's so good. <laughs> I like it a lot. And then when his daughter comes in and talks. And then after that, where he comes back in with the high note, that high note, so good. It, it's a good song. It's just, I'm not going to, it's not in my top three. That's for sure. Dallin Weeks is such a good vocalist. He's just crushing it on all of these songs, I'll say. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, his voice is fantastic. He has such a range, too. Like, his falsetto is so strong. And he just, he's got really good charisma. He's a great front man. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, this entire episode is just talking about how much I like Dallin Weeks. <laughs> uh, the next one is Door we've already talked a little bit about Door we it's, talked about Door it's just an interlude then is Tomorrow People the one that I read to you right then Razmataz it was a single and you'd initially said not a fan yes that's true I initially said not a fan it is my third favorite on the album it's so good it is fantastic and honestly it's all in the saxophone <laughs> what a finale it really it, yeah i when i saw that it was the last song on the album i was like that's an odd choice but then after the album it really is the best closing song for this album it really it rounds out everything it feels like the perfect closer like if they don't close concerts with that song they're crazy oh no that'd be so much fun i hope that like a live saxophone player that'd be so cool <laughs> That would be really cool. Do, do they play saxophone or did they have someone? I'm sure it was someone hired. Yeah. And they seem like they're pretty attached to like just doing the two of them for their live shows and doing interpretations of it. So I don't know how much sax there would be live. Mm -hmm. A lot of a lot of smaller bands do that. Like Toy and Pilots does that. They mostly do different versions of their songs, just the two of them on their live stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It, it'd be really cool to see like a full fledged, like band playing live. When I saw, um, a wonder live for the second time, their duo, they had the girl, uh, Josephine, her brother came with them and he came out and played saxophone for one of the songs. It was really fun. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Yeah. 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 But they tour with like two other musicians, a keyboardist and a guitarist. I think a bassist actually, not a guitarist. Bass guitar. I was right. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, that is the entire album. We've talked about it all. Um, I think uh, for our top three, we have two of the same ones. Right? We have Cluster Hug. Yeah. And we have Rasmataz. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I have Kiss Goodnight. And but you have Kiss Goodnight. I... Okay, so you have Kiss Goodnight and... Need, need you, you here. here okay then we only have one because my my favorite song on the album is gallows really okay yeah i mean they're all so good like it's not like, yeah it's yeah. not like oh, i don't like this one no it's like i like this one less yeah Le legitimately the only song on the album that i was like eh is is the door so it's just door I, when I looked it up previously, it was The Door, and then it was Door, and I have double-checked like six times, and it's been different every time, so I'm confused. Uh, we didn't get into the 
to the genius annotations. Oh boy. Um, what I was telling John before the episode started is that on Leave Me Alone, that there's this whole thing going on in the genius annotations where people think it's about him leaving Panic at the Disco. And there's a line in that song where it goes, aristocrat, tip your hat and break your mother's heart. Um, and then aristocrat, tip your hat is highlighted. <laughs> it said, this could be a reference to the famous music video for Panic at the Disco's breakout hit, I Write Sins, Not Tragedies, where Brandon, <laughs> where Brandon tips his top hat, furthering the connection to Brandon and Panic. <laughs> so stupid. That's so dumb, because <laughs> I Write Sins, Not Tragedies music video is ridiculously like insane on purpose it's it's purposefully crazy yeah it has no connection to anything the top hat doesn't signify anything he he had the top hat back in like uh the the music video for mona lisa I, but it doesn't signify anything it's just like his look yeah it was part of their like uh superficial like stuff that they had going on at the time it's just his branding it's like his it's kind of like you know you expect gerard way to be wearing like a leather jacket like i don't know it doesn't mean anything yeah (laughs) like (laughs) i i i don't know it's that's so ridiculous to me (laughs) that you would assume that saying tip your hat is a reference to the (laughs) fucking because it's a phrase it's just something people say. Yeah, I don't. That's just <laughs> insane that someone would put that on genius. Like they think they're a Snoop, like figuring this out. Like, uh, every yeah, no, that's really dumb to me. Genius is a crazy place. People <laughs> say so many dumb things, and they think they're smart about it. <laughs> I but it, sometimes they are smart about it. Yeah, like, sometimes it's very insightful. I'm like, wow, I'd never thought about like, it that. Like for specifically for like Frank Ocean songs and for like um uh Kevin Abstract uh-huh. uh when I go like look at their lyrics, people always have really good insights. And I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, yeah I'm like deep dives into like Yeah, they're psyche. <laughs> it's very weird. There's people like giving them like therapy in in those genius uh <laughs> comments dude imagine how fun it would be to be a musician and read your genius annotations (laughs) and be like this guy is so wrong or be like man they like understand who i am as a person (laughs) i think probably the most common thing is being like there's an annotation on this line that line didn't mean anything i just wrote it that was so straightforward (laughs) just reading it being like yeah that that line literally didn't mean anything that's always the funniest thing when it's just like there's very clearly a straightforward meaning to this and then people are reading into it way too much. <laughs> like, uh, oh yeah, and the devil that they say the devil that you know is better than the devil that you don't, um, which is just a phrase, right? Yeah. <laughs> people are talking about how <laughs> the devil that you know in this situation could be Panic at the Disco and that it was the bad situation with Zach Hall where he wanted to be where he wanted to leave but it was familiar so he's staying in the band (laughs) that's I don't I mean he could have written that line as something about his personal life and feeling like he can't leave panic yeah but it feels like a real stretch to be like and this is about how there was a controversy around their security guard and and, yeah and he really hated that but he couldn't he couldn't leave it feels like you're being like he he knew and hated it but just didn't leave because he he felt trapped it's like well Well, there is a thing that they link in that thing where they have a screen cap of a tweet by his wife where she said that she had been like um, made uncomfortable by like sexual comments that that guy had made, but Dallin couldn't leave, couldn't like do anything about it because he needed to keep his job and the whole thing. I, I mean, but it just feels like a weird thing to assume about such a innocuous line. Yeah, there's there's so much audacity to be like, I understand what they're getting at here. I know. I I know what this is. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. <laughs> That's how I left this code for me. I get it. 
Um, anyway, so now we've gone through the album and I have devised for going forward when it will be talking about specific pieces of media, which will be either albums or a season of a TV show or a movie or something like that. We could do a book if we wanted to, but I don't want to read a book. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way, but if, if it gets to that, we'll do it. Um, but I've decided to come up with a scoring system that we'll do. Okay. So each of us have two stars that we can give something. So a perfect like score would be four stars, right? Um, and we can give it zero stars. So there are three options. You give it one star, two stars, or zero stars. Okay. So then our combined score will make it, uh, somewhere between zero zero and and four four stars. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and for you rating it, it would be two stars would be go consume this piece of media. One star would be like, I don't know, do what you want. Zero stars would be do not consume this piece of media. I beg of you stay away from it for your own good. Um, so that'll be our scoring system going forward. If we keep this format that I've decided is a good, I mean, I like it. It sounds good. This is the first time I'm hearing of it, but I'm, I'm good with it. It sounds good to me. (laughs) So I would give it two stars. Yep. Same. I'd give it two stars. All right. Right off the bat. Perfect score. Four (laughs) stars. Go listen to this album. And that's been it. That's been, this is a terrible place to live. Um, Slightly less terrible. uh, Still a place to live. I've gotten my act together. I think I've been dragging this podcast down, but now I'm contributing. I become. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, 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 uh... yeah, we, we will. Uh Uh-huh. Cool. Amen.